Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. So we continue our conversation on the talking point and uh, it's good that we had uh, Richard Mandu on because we're scheduled, uh, we've been scheduled to speak about the professionalization of the public service with Zuki Swagota who is program manager at the public service accountability manager. And Zuki, so one of the things of course of professionalization of the public service is this idea of trying to move away from the extent to which our public service is so heavily in entrenched in politics to getting it to a point where it really becomes about capability and capacity of serving what the South African uh, public needs. Absolutely, Cathy. And I think what's interesting that the NDP outlines is exactly that um, that line between you know the politics and the administration within the public service um, and, and guiding public servants in that regard. I agree with you. I mean, is it is it justified? And I know you may not want to speak on the issue of the Department of Public Enterprises directly. So I'll use it in a, as an example and go more broadly. But the reality is we're facing a situation here where somebody said to not have met the basic criteria for employment conditions. And yet um, they still were able to secure one of the senior posts that 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 exists in a department being chief of staff yeah and and again i think also not necessarily speaking to to the to this specific example kathy but i think the point you raise is a really important one in relation to you know what the policy amendments and regulations um, around the public service act and the public administration act look at which is in part about the professionalization of the public service um, and no doubt aspects of recruitment and appointment are fundamental to that. Um, we've seen over the years um, the implications and, and the outcomes of, um, you know, recruitment and appointments that are irregular. And the PSC over the years has also indicated, um, you know, the repercussions of that. And perhaps one of the things that is, is most concerning is exactly the impact on the erosion of public trust. Um, when increasingly it, it is seen that the public service and appointments are not done in ways that are transparent or, or regular or in accordance um, with public service regulations. How much transparency can we as the South African public demand of those that are appointed to office um, within, you know, different departments? Because as as we're having this conversation with Richard, there, there was... Uh, you know, there was a sense that I was getting that we weren't allowed to know certain details so that we can't ask uh, about the credibility of one's matric certificate. We can't ask what a post-matric qualification it is that an official has, despite the fact that they're occupying public office. Mm. Yeah, Kathy, the, the point about transparency is, I mean, I think there, there is a lot that, that can be said about it, and there's a lot that, a lot of lip service often that is paid to it. Um, you know, I think in addition to the points you raise about uh, transparency around, uh, you know, qualifications and criteria for appointments, um, the decisions made about who is appointed, who isn't, at what level, um, another aspect of transparency, and, mm. and you know, you ask how much transparency can you demand, and and the answer is a lot. I think. 
already entrenched within various acts, within the Constitution, within the PFMA, within mm. all manner of um, legislation guiding, uh, you know, the, the public service. Um, there is, a, there is, there are clear demands for that, and I think the recent um, policy amendments and po- policy suggestions, for example, around, um, you know, employees doing business with the state, um, and and. The public disclosures of information, for instance, you know, like financial disclosures or financial um, interests that um, officials may have, um, all of that essentially outlines what the NDP, what the Constitution, and what the many regulations say, which is that mm. the public do have a right to have that information, um, you know, published, including, for instance, I mean, I, I, one of the aspects of, of the recent DPSA announcements relates exactly to, um, you know, e or online um, publication of such information. Um, and, and by that same token, Cathy, the transparency mm. should also extend to what happens when particular regulations um, and, and provisions mm. are um, contravened. What happens to the officials or an accounting officer in an instance where an appointment has been um, irregular or in, in an instance where um, someone contravenes the Public Administration Management Act or does business with the state um, and is found to be doing business with the state. All of that in itself also requires transparency. Um, there must be consequences, and those consequences must be, um, must be published. And, and there are many requirements for that, that perhaps, again, it's uh, perhaps one of the biggest issues relates to the implementation of those um, reporting mechanisms mm. um, and the outcomes of of disciplinary hearings, for instance. So, Kathy, the short answer to your question is um, there are a lot of mechanisms um, currently in place, but mm-hmm. perhaps the question is about the willingness and political will to ensure that transparency um, and required declarations are made. So, so, you know, one of the things, of course, then becomes the extent to which government can truly advance professionalization of the public service when it seems that political office bearers have more power than perhaps what is allowed in process i don't know if the point i'm trying to to make is is coming across so one you know one can follow due process and appoint an individual that perhaps is not qualified but because the mm-hmm. the minister has the power over that appointment then at the end of the day it, it almost doesn't matter one gets the sense that it doesn't matter because politicians are going to have their way mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think there is, your point is coming across, Cathy. Um, and, and on that point, perhaps some of the, the perhaps uh, reluctance and um, barriers to implementing specific policies around that is, you know, the barriers do relate to the political uh, complexities. Um, I think we shouldn't disregard that the public service is, in fact, a very complex and complicated space for various reasons, not least of which because of the political, um, you know, the, the, the political and bureaucratic aspects. So the point you raise is an important one, and it is one that increasingly and most recently it does seem that there's recognition by cabinet and recognition at the presidential level that this, this is a, a, a point of ambiguity. So for instance, one thing, you know, I mentioned that the NDP does outline this need to um, uh, you know, to, to depoliticize the public service, 
But the question of depoliticization isn't one that necessarily is clear, exactly for some of the reasons you outline. Um, so, for instance, the lines of um, reporting and accounting aren't actually entirely clear when we speak about appointments of the executive and accounting officers and who they ultimately report to. Um, so we've had examples, recent examples in the public service where someone says, actually, um, you as the accounting officer or MEC, um, you know, cannot, you know, you don't have the right to to, to fire me. Um, in fact, this is a, this is a president's um, jurisdiction. And, and I think those are some of the intricacies in terms of um, lines of reporting, but also appointment that really um, do deserve a much closer, much closer scrutiny. Um, and so, you know, the announcements on Thursday, you know, some of that is a, is a beginning to, to kind of unravel and perhaps, um, you know, identify the complexities. Because it also does mean you can place as much responsibilities mm. on the heads of, you know, of executive officials at the provincial level, for instance. Um, but, but if there are um, barriers to ensuring that consequences are, are, um, are implemented because of exactly the, the political line of reporting, then we will never be able to adequately clean out the public service and professionalize the space in the way that South Africans deserve mm-hmm. it to be. What becomes the ultimate cost of um, the, the state being unable to do that? Oh, yeah, the cost is, is deep and dire, Cathy. Um, and I think the bottom line really is that the role of the public service is to meet the country's developmental needs, to deliver public services in a way that is um, you know, efficient and that is responsive. And the public service in itself should be a space of trust and a space in which you know, citizens, members of the public uh, can trust that if they, you know, that the services are being provided in a way that um, is, is uh, legitimate, a legitimate state. The ultimate cost really is the continued erosion of state capacity. Um, and often in instances like this, it does mean that, for instance, we cannot trust the management of public resources um, if we cannot trust that those um, tasked with overseeing and monitoring the use of public resources um, are, you know, are, are, are themselves um, uh, trustworthy or, or that they are credible and, and technically um, equipped to do so. And I think the other aspect um, ultimately as well is that the, the people who suffer the most in these instances um, are, are not actually those who are employed. It is those who, who, who ultimately did not receive the services or who receive suboptimal services as a result of a public service that is not functioning optimally. Um, and I think that the development aspect is one we shouldn't um, forget. The NDP outlines this quite clearly. And I think that's the, the, perhaps the, the, the fundamental point, um, is that a failing public service has a direct impact on the developmental goals and regression of those, um, or regressing, regression towards achieving those um, in the long term. Zuki Swagota, let me thank you so much for your time today. She is the program manager at the Public Service Accountability Monitor, really putting into perspective some of the issues that are at play when it comes to challenges of uh, professionalizing the public service. And ultimately, as she said, it comes down to the experience that you and I have when we interface with some of the services that are offered at a government level. 
And, you know, it also has to do with the efficiency of the administration of our government and um, the implications, I think, are far reaching and and they're also overlapping. And, and it's not an issue that we can we can continue to take for granted. And and the one thing that's going to need to be made clear is <laughs> the extent to which our government actually prioritizes efficiency and professionalization or that, um, in fact, they choose perhaps to lean towards those that they believe will be able to accomplish their political mandates in certain position, positions rather, versus those who would be qualified um, to do maybe a better job uh, in those very same posts. Okay, so we've had plenty of reaction then to the interview that uh, we've conducted with Richard. I'll play some of the voice notes in a moment. Uh, just a quick note, the interview that we were scheduled to do. This is on the situation in Uganda and um, the presidential candidate Bobby Wine, uh, who's really been facing the severe arm of the law there. So we'll do that interview tomorrow at half past 10. Apologies that we've had to reschedule it uh, simply because of how the morning has unfolded here on the show.